if you want to truly just understand what's going on in our culture, and again, we're not dealing with a COVID-19 issue. That's not the disease. The disease is a rebellious heart against the Word of God. The disease is apathy and indifference. The disease is, hey, I'll take Jesus and leave him. We got to get out of this Jesus is my friend with benefits Christianity. This doesn't work. That's not how this works. We got to be in or out. Like you're either in Jesus or you're out of Jesus. You can't ride the fence. We're watching what happens all across our country when church by church by church by church for years now has not made discipleship a priority. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. God, we love you, and you're mighty to save. You're mighty to take the mess that's going on in our country and redeem it. You're, you're mighty, God. You can do this. You're the master of taking the mess and creating the message. And so, God, we just ask, would you do a work in our hearts? God, may the revival start with us. God, I pray that everyone in this room today would just simply cry out, God, have the revival start with me. And so, God, we want to bless your name right now. We just want to bless you. God, as you open our hearts and our minds right now, would you, would you speak in a, a powerful way? God, I pray we'd be transformed by the Word. I, I pray that we would be renewed through our minds right now as we feast on the Word. So God, as we meditate on you, as we thank you, as we, we treasure you, God, would you do a work right now? We're praying, we're begging you. Would you do a work right now? Would you give us a desperation for you? A hunger, a thirst? A desire that, that just nothing else matters? It's just you and your glory and the gospel. So do it, God. Will you do it right now in this room? Will you stir? Open our hearts. Open our minds. I pray we wash by the word right now. Just washed. God, move me out of the way. Hide me behind the shadows of the cross. That you and you alone would infinitely increase right now. That as the word goes forth with power, that, that the power would not be in the messenger, and not be in human words, human wisdom, but the power would be in the word. So word of God speak right now. And God, to you be the praise, to you be the glory. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Take that Bible and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, looking at verses 22 through 25. 
I pray you have your Bible, I pray you have some notes as we dig into the Word, as we feast upon the Word together, as we wash the Word over us. I pray that it will come alive today. In one of my prayers for our church, for our community, uh, for all that's going on around us, that man, I pray that the fear of God takes over our community. Man, I pray this. I pray there will be a, such a revival, a, such an awakening, such a reformation for such a time as this that, that it can be attributed to, to no man, uh, no human wisdom, but just simply God and His glory. That His glory go forth. Man, I, I just picture just people running to the cross of Jesus Christ. I picture marriages being restored. I picture just every kind of devastation, all the racism going on. Uh, all the senseless killings going on. I just pray that the Word of God would sweep over our country like never before. Because we need it, don't we? And we're in dire straits. You know, I was thinking about this this past week, and, you know, the COVID-19 is a horrible disease, but the COVID-19, as I was processing this, actually is not the disease that's ravaging our country. That's not the disease that's ravaging our country. What COVID-19 did was it has exposed the decay that's been going on for decades. It just exposed it. It exposed it in such a way that, that as we've kicked God to the curb and, and, and put God on the bench, so to speak, hey, you're good, man, we got this, we need you, you know, we'll come see you every couple Sundays a month, but other than that, you know, we got this, we're good. It's all now been exposed. The curtain has been pulled back. Now, now, people hear that and they go, that doesn't sound very positive. Well, at first glance, it's not, but well, let's take the mess and create the message. Let's look and see the opportunity that lays before us. And what I see, what I see in my mind's eye, I see this, I can picture it right now. As I picture all the homes around this church, as I picture all these neighborhoods over this direction, and I picture the neighborhoods over that direction. I picture this. I picture fields that are white unto harvest. Like just waiting. Like they're waiting. That They're looking for the answer. That They're looking for the solution. They're waiting. They don't even know it perhaps. But, but they're looking for something to dull the pain and fill the void that doesn't keep them on a hamster wheel, a merry-go-round going nowhere. It is literally the answer that will satisfy forever. And you know the answer is Jesus. And so here in our Bible today, in James 1, 22 through 25, the sermon title is simply this. Don't just listen, obey. Don't just listen, obey. Uh, that's the title today, that we, we just don't want to be hearers, but we, we must be doers. I get it. There's so much struggle, so much heartache, so much pain. Corey Ten Boom, who went through so much difficulty, she said it like this in all her struggles and all her trials. She said it like this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Think about that. If you do, as Corey Tim Boom said, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you turn on the TV enough right now, if you go to social media enough right now, you literally, she said, you will be distressed. 
If you look internally and think, hey, I got to fix this. I got to pull myself up my own bootstraps. I'm the answer. You're going to be depressed. But if you look to God, if you look to the King, if you look to Jesus, you'll be at rest. Here in our Bibles today, here's what the Word of God says through just a few short, glorious verses. And I pray as I read this, James 1, 22 through 25, and I pray that Jesus will be exalted in this place. Amen. I pray right now he'll just be exalted no matter what you're dealing with, the heartache, the pain, the shame, the disappointments, the stress. Get it. All of us got the t-shirt. We're all in this together. This is hard. But man, let's, let's plow towards Jesus. Amen. Let's just focus on him. Uh, as they say, teamwork makes the dream work. Man, let's focus, focus. Let's rally. Let's unite. Man, let's go make a difference for God's glory. And here's what the Word of God says in James 1, 22 through 25 of don't just listen, but obey. Here it is, verse 22, but be doers of the Word, don't miss that, and not hearers only. Why? Deceiving who? Yourselves. Now look at verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like, don't miss that, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Pretty weird. 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law. Now, don't miss that. For the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being what? No hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will, not he might, he will be blessed in his doing. Now bump up for just a moment your Bible. Look at verse 19 so we can make sure our context keeps us on track here. 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be number one quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, humility, the implanted word which is able to rescue to save your souls. So here, James, he's just come out of the gate and these glorious verses, just a few short verses, aren't we, of this James chapter 1. And here we are, and we're seeing such power, such potency that's in the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God has the power. Uh, I can get up here, and I can speak eloquently. I can tell you about my vacation. I can tell you what's going on in the world. But when the Word of God, when the Word of God is actually lifted up, when the Word of God is proclaimed with boldness, when the Word of God, when we stand behind the Word of God, and it has the dunamis, it has the power, it has the dynamite, it can break through even the stoniest heart that exists. Like, that's how powerful the Word of God is. Like you may know someone, maybe yourself, and there's a stony heart. Might be a child, might be a spouse. You're like, man, preacher, you don't understand that person. I may not understand that person, but I can assure you this, I understand the Word of God. It is power-packed in what it does. You say, why is that important? Well, look what it says here in these verses today, verse 22. 
It says, but be what? Doers of the word and not hearers only. In the original language, you're going to see there that when it says here, be doers, that word be, you could say it like this, prove yourselves. Like be doers means like it's a command, not a suggestion, not if you get around to it. James is saying here, in the midst of your struggle, and remember the context, so the context is this, is that they're in the dispersion, they're going through trouble, they're going through heartache, they're going through pain. And maybe that's you today. You've gotten that diagnosis. You're at a job you absolutely hate. Your marriage is falling apart. You can't pay your bills. Maybe your life is all of that and a bit more. And the reality is this, James is imploring me, he's imploring you through the power of the Word of God that as we look towards God, we take our eyes off self, we take our eyes off our circumstances, here's the deal, that in the midst of it, we count it all joy, which man, that's easy to preach and put on a t-shirt, that's hard to do, amen? That's not an easy thing to do to count it all joy. That's a struggle, but we are commanded to count it all joy And in the midst of the struggle, don't miss this. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of what you're dealing with, in the midst of when the bottom's falling out in your life and my life, here's what we're to do. We are to be a doer of the word. We're not to pull back. We're not to go, well, you know, things aren't going real well, so I'll get around to the word when I can. No, we're to be a doer all the time, and yes, even in the midst of the struggle. To be a doer. What does it mean to be a doer? In the English and the Greek, here's what it means. To obey. So when you read that in your Bible, and look in your Bible for a moment, B, prove yourselves. To be obeyers of the Word. Now, what's the word? Not a trick question. Referring to the word of God. It's the logos. Jesus says, I am the word. I am the logos. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. We're living in a culture right now that is doing everything opposite of being a doer of the word. Again, I said this last week, but if you want to see what happens, if you want to truly just understand what's going on in our culture, and again, we're not dealing with a COVID-19 issue. That's not the disease. The disease is a rebellious heart against the Word of God. The disease is apathy and indifference. The the disease is, hey, I'll take Jesus and leave him. we got to get out of this, Jesus is my friend with benefits Christianity. This doesn't work. It's not how this works. we got to be in or out. like, Like you're either in Jesus or you're out of Jesus. You can't ride the fence. We're watching what happens all across our country, when church by church by church by church, for years now, has not made discipleship a priority. Think about this. When true disciples are being made, regardless of the challenge, true disciples don't disengage. True disciples beat down the door to engage. But when we don't make disciples, and we're living in this right now, we're reaping what we've sown all across our country. Is it any wonder 
that when you take a three-month vacation from church, it's really hard to get back in the correct habit, isn't it? See, we are to be a doer of the Word. One of the verses in Scripture says it like this, do not forsake the assembly. Like, don't do it. Like, you got to be together. There's, we're designed for that human communication. We're designed for that community. And the enemy wants to isolate. It's time to kill, steal, and destroy. So if he can keep us isolated, if he can keep us in fear, if he can keep us pulled back, what's he going to do? Is there going to be more unity or less unity? Duh. It's very, very simple. And yet this is our time. I can't say this enough, church. This is our time. I believe we have a window of time in front of us. And we will either choose to take advantage of this window or not take advantage of this window. We must be doers of the word. That's why key number one, I want you to write this down. Key number one, here it is. A true disciple of Jesus, a true one, a true disciple of Jesus will make it their aim. Make sure you write that in there. Will make it their aim to hear God's word and then obey it. Let me say that again. Key number one, a true, not a false one, not raise a hand, say a prayer, do a cartwheel, hocus pocus, got dunked, running around, no life change, got the fire insurance, got Jesus as my metaphorical fire extinguishers, just carrying him around with me everywhere I'm going, taking care of all my problems. No, when a true disciple of Jesus will make it their aim, like, that's it, like, like bullseye, like, I'm dialed in, like, like, I'm focused, like, I'm focused on this. I'm not going to be deterred. I'm going to focus with everything I have to make it my aim to do what? To hear God's word. That's a good thing, by the way. James is not saying don't hear God's word. It's not what he's saying. It is step number one. We got to hear it. The problem is, typically, we settle for and we substitute Hearing for obeying. No, we got to obey it. When you think through this, because so many people will, in conversations, just over the years of ministry, they're like, You mean I got to do something? Yeah, you got to do something. This isn't for salvation. This again is from the salvation that you're a true believer. You've truly given your life to Christ. And what's going to happen in that process? I'm going to be a doer of the word. I made a couple notes here. I said here, the goal is not to hear the word of God and then just go home unchanged. So the goal right now is not to hear the word of God. And by the time you get to the parking lot, go, what was that? The goal is not, hey, for me just to pass on some information. The goal is not to fill some time. The goal is to be transformed by the word. Like that's the goal. But like nothing else in your life, you can't get that perfect job and have the peace you desire. It can't happen. Won't happen. You can't marry that person and have the peace you desire. Can't happen. You can't move to that community that, you know, if I just move there and just have that house or just drive that car, just drive that Corvette, praise Jesus, just can't do that. You just can't do that, right? And finally, finally have what you desire. Never happen. It's impossible. We're watching this unfold before our eyes on television screens. 
People are, as the Word says, vanity, vanity. All is vanity. It's like chasing the wind. You guys ever played that game when you were a kid? Hey, let's go chase the wind. Kind of a hard game to know who's winning, huh? I mean, they're chasing the wind. I got it. You did. How do you know you got it? I don't know, but I think I got it. You're just running around. We're grabbing, trying to chase the wind. That's what Solomon shows us in the Word. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. We've got to be doers of the Word. Obeyers. I ask myself this question, how will we obey something that we never have taken time to learn? Think about that. How will we obey something that we've never taken time to learn? We live, I believe, in the most biblically illiterate generation of all time. And here's why I argue this. Because we have more resources to gospel teaching than ever before. More resources. You can go on the internet and just Google just about anything scripturally related. And yet it's made us lazy, hasn't it? Always kind of relying on somebody else to do the heavy lifting for us. No, we are to be doers of the Word. We are to be focused, to be intentional, to be urgent. And for the true believer, we will hunger for that. That There will be a thirst for that. That we want to please the Lord as we make it our aim to live for Him. Write down these supporting verses that I pray will challenge and encourage you. Luke 6.46 under this key number one. Luke 6.46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Man, he's like coming off the top rope on that one, isn't he? People always think about Jesus like, you know, holding lambs and, you know, just coddling this and rocking that. He's like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and keep disobeying me? I mean, you almost get the impression he's a little perturbed here. Well, why do you keep saying this? It's all lip service. Don't be a hearer, be a doer is what he's saying. By the way, when Jesus called those disciples and said, hey, I got a plan for you. Hey, all you, hey, you big crowds over here. Hey, come here, here. Hey, listen up over here. Hey, you back there, back row. Come here, you over here, come here. Come up here. Nope, front row, front row Baptist. Come right up here. Sit right up here in the front row. Come here, right up here. I got a plan for you. You want to follow me? You want to follow me? Yeah, I want to follow you, Jesus. Okay, here's the plan. Jesus didn't say, deny yourself, take up your cross and listen to me. He didn't say, deny yourself, take up your cross and listen. He said, deny yourself, hardest thing we will ever do, deny me, deny yourself, deny you, deny me, take up that cross, the extent of the denial, and oh, by the way, go obey and follow wherever he leads. You mean I have to follow Jesus wherever he leads? Yes. That's how that works. You're going to follow wherever he leads. Don't just say, I'm going to deny. Hey, I'll deny myself. Hey, I'll take up my cross. Jesus, I was listening to you. But that was a really good sermon, Jesus. Loved how you were out in the boat, by the way. That was awesome how you did that. That was incredible. Loved it. No, he says, follow me. He says, follow. And you go to your employer tomorrow, and employer says, hey, I got an assignment for you. The assignment is, it's not illegal. It's not immoral. It's not unethical. It's a task you should complete within your comprehension of what you do, your scope. And they say, I want you to do this, this, and this, and I want it done in an hour. They come back in an hour and they say, hey, how's it going? Great. It's going awesome. 
Beautiful day outside, isn't it, boss? Yeah, it is kind of nice. How's the task going? Well, I haven't started it. Why haven't you started it? Well, I heard you. I listened to you. By the way, that was awesome, your instructions. That was amazing. There was no lack of clarity at all in there. Boss, you were awesome. That was great. Like, can you imagine? Like, what would happen? Well, there'd be a negative consequence, wouldn't there? Don't negative consequences motivate us? They're very motivating. Like, you don't show up for work, and hey, positive, negative, you can be looking for new work. Amen? What happens in the spiritual realm? God is so merciful. He's so patient. And we, here's what we do, and we're reaping this all across our country. We take his passive judgment on us, and we think he's given us the thumbs up to be disobedient. Well, nothing's happening to me. I haven't gotten struck by lightning yet. I guess he's okay for me being half in and half out. No, we're to be doers of the word. Period. Obeyers. That's what the world's going to see. Do you ever wonder if the American church was on fire with revival, perhaps our cities would not be on fire. If there was an uprising in the American church today, perhaps there would not be an uprising in the American streets. And it comes back to simple obedience and disobedience. James says, be a doer of the word. How about John 14, 15? You guys love that one, don't you? John 14, 15. If you're going to church camp, like put that in your, tuck that away under your belt, right? John 14, 15 to memorize, to get points. If you love me, Jesus speaking, this is Jesus. If you love me, you will keep, that means obey my commandments. See, I don't know if you understand this, but, but you and I, we show our love we show our allegiance to Jesus by obeying Him. We're not obeying Him so He will like us, so that He will love us, so that He will save us. That's not what this means. It's by grace we've been saved. It's by grace alone through faith alone. But if we're going to just stop it there and say, Jesus requires nothing of me, we're not reading the Bible. The Bible is very clear that when we come to Him as we give our lives to Him as that living sacrifice, there will be this thing called sanctification. And sanctification means this. It's a really big word, but it means this, to have ongoing change towards Christ-likeness. Sanctification. Ongoing change. Ongoing towards Christ-likeness. Jesus says, look, if you love me, you will keep, you will obey. How about this one? John 3, 36, write this one down. This one, again, Jesus has not mentioned words here. This is from Scripture, Jesus speaking. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey, the Son shall not see life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life 
but the wrath of God remains on him. Did you catch that? Let me read that again. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. There's a belief. And by the way, when you see the word believe in Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That word believe right here is not passive. It's always with action. Always. Always. But we've dumbed it down to this intellectual belief. Raise a hand, say a prayer, do a cartwheel, sign a card, go home. Nothing has changed. And then we wonder why when COVID-19 hits, why so many people are struggling, why disciples aren't being disciples, it makes perfect sense. We're reaping the consequences of decades of a slow fade spiritually through our country. Now, here's the good news. We can change this. Here's the great news. We can change it today. Like in this room today, I have said this to a few of us, and I mean it, but I believe there is zero excuse, zero, why a national revival cannot and should not start in this room. No excuse. We should be the ones that are living on the edge for Jesus. We should be the ones that are praying hard. We should be the ones that are abandoning everything. We should be the ones. Someone's got to start the revival. Why not it be us? There's going to be a lot of pain in that offering, though, isn't there? You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Think about Spurgeon, what he said. I love Spurgeon. He said this, I fear we have many such in all congregations. He wrote this many, many years ago, by the way. I fear we have many such in all congregations, admiring hearers, affectionate hearers, attached hearers, but all the while unblessed hearers because they are not doers of the Word, end quote. So what happens when James says, look, don't just be a hearer, you got to be a doer, because if you're just a hearer in verse 22 and not a doer, what's going to happen? What's your Bible say? I'll deceive myself. What does it mean to deceive? Here it is. Make a note of this. Deceive means this, to lie, to cheat. Actually, it goes even deeper, though. It means this, to live in delusion. So some definitions we'll give to it would be that we're seduced, we're deceived, we're led astray. We are baited, we are trapped, we are ensnared. And James talks about this. We've, we've preached on this now for weeks, haven't we? About all this being led away, being led away by my own evil desires. That I can't blame anyone. It's not spiritual hot potato, it's me. i got to look in the mirror. And when we think through this and dive deep into this, James begins just to tighten the ratchet, doesn't he? He's kind of like... I mean, he's just tightening the ratchet. He's saying, look, as he sharpens the pencil, he says, here's what you do. You just don't listen to the Word, even in the midst of your trial, even in the midst of being dispersed, even in the midst you fill in the blank of whatever pain you're going through the day, even in the midst... 
That's not the time to pull back from the Word. If anything, that's the time to dive deep into the Word. And James is saying, look, here's the deal. If you're going to hear it and not obey it, the joke's on you. You're only deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Not someone else. And think how twisted and convoluted that is. I mean, who in their right mind today, don't raise your hand, who in their right mind today would say, man, I can't wait to be deceived? I mean, no one in their right mind. And yet you turn on the television, turn on social media, and what you see, when you watch what you see going on all over our country, it's one person after another running around in deception. Just running around. We've taken the truth of God's Word. Nah, we don't like this. Out the window. We don't need this. And here we go, slow fade, slow fade, slow fade, and now it's been exposed. Now it's been unmasked. But here's the good news. Now is our time. In the darkest hour, church, this must be our finest hour. It has to be our finest hour. You know, I was thinking through that, and I couldn't help but just process and begin to meditate on key number two. I want you to write this down. This one seems so simplistic, but I pray we'll hear it and obey it. So here's key number two. When I rebel against God's Word, the person who is most deceived is me. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. So if you go back in your Bible right there, we just read it in 21 and 22, and you look at that. I mean, it's just amazing when I look back at it even right now. Just look back at that for a moment. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I mean, very short verse. We can easily memorize it. And here the Word of God simply says this. If I'm going to cut to the chase and willingly disobey God, I'm deceiving me. And you know this as well as I know this, that when I deceive me, the deceit I live in, the deceit you live in, never has singular consequences. It always has some element of corporate consequences. My sin will always impact someone else to some degree. Always. James says, be a doer. Don't be deceived. Don't walk in this. Be an obeyer. I made a couple notes here. I said one of the enemy's greatest traps is to convince us through leveraging our own pride that whatever issues exist, they exist in everyone else except me. Doesn't he do that? Through the deceit of sin, the pridefulness, he says, look, don't worry about you. You just blame everyone else. Look to everyone else. James says, no, 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 here's the deal. James says that when John, when you are just a hearer of the word and you're not obeying it, you're deceiving you. Like you are literally dragging yourself away. You are being lured. You are being seduced. You are being that one that's ensnared. Here's the disconnect. Think about this. Many people think that just by hearing the Word of God, as long as a sermon's not too long, that that's the goal, right? I mean, so many people today, they go, well, if I just hear it, that's the goal. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. You will never grow as a Christian. Listen closely. You will never grow in your walk with the Lord if all you do is just listen. If you're not in the Scriptures, if you're not taking notes, if you're not mining this stuff, digging deep, asking the Lord to speak, you will be stagnant in your walk 
perhaps not stagnant, perhaps even regress. We must be just not hearers. Hey, that was great. Enjoyed it. No, we must be doers of the word. God, what are you trying to speak to me? Like even right now, like right now, as the word is going forth, we're in James chapter 1, 22. It says, be doers, be obeyers of the word, not hearers only. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Like what does he want you to do right now? And then just go obey. I love these scriptures that support this deceit concept. Write down Obadiah 1.3. Obadiah 1.3, simple verse from Obadiah. I don't hear that quoted very often, but the pride of your heart has deceived you. There's the pride, there's the deception. The two are bedfellows. Anyone that you know, perhaps you, who's walking in deception today, there's always going to be a tracing back to the root of pride. How about Jeremiah 17.9? Write that one down. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah the prophet, he didn't say through the Holy Spirit's power that the heart is deceitful among some things. He said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Like here's the visual he's trying to paint. That the heart, the human heart, not the physical heart, but but the heart, who we are as the person. Apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I are desperately diseased. I mean diseased, like there's no hope. There's no hope for the person who is outside the blood of Jesus Christ, period. No hope. Someone say, wait a minute, that sounds exclusive. It is. Say, where do you get that from? The Bible. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Acts 4.12 says it like this. There is no other name you can be saved but that of the name of Jesus Christ. You know, again, it sounds, well, that doesn't sound very kind. This is the time to get the truth to the street of America. This is not the time to negotiate. Uh, This is the time to say, look, his name is Jesus. He will set you free, period. And yet those are challenging days, aren't they? Because 1 John 1.8 says it like this, 1 John 1.8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive who? Ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And that's what you see going on in America. There's deception. Why? Because the truth is not in. We've removed the truth. We're not under the truth anymore. It's the truth of God's Word that will set us free. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And then James, I love this. Look at 23 through 24. 23 through 24 in your Bible. Look at this. It's amazing. He pulls out this canvas, I just love this, and begins to paint a mural. Look at the mural he paints in 23 and 24 of your Bible. Here's what he says. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like. So anytime you see he is like, like put on your seatbelt. Here we go. He's like a man who looks intently. So this is not a glance. This is an intent look. Looks intently with scrutiny at his natural face. So when, pause there for a moment. So the illustration is, it's a man who looks in the mirror and he looks in the mirror of that day. Many times it was a a piece of shining metal. Today we have glass. Regardless of what the substrate is, you're you're looking into it. and, And typically, I mean, dudes do this, but ladies really do this. But why do you look in the mirror? Well, unless you're a raging narcissist, 
who just wants to see how great you look, you typically look at a mirror for one reason, don't you? You look at it to see what needs to be fixed, right? I mean, some of you look in there to check your hair, you know what I mean? Other times you look in there and you, you know, hey, you know, I just had lunch and I got seven pieces of pepper in my front tooth, kind of weird. Maybe, uh, you know, you got back from another dinner and you look in the mirror and you got a spaghetti stain the size of Arizona, you know, right there on your white shirt. And you look at it, and wouldn't that be bizarre that you see the pepper and you see the spaghetti stain and you look in the mirror and you just walk away and then just go sit down and just keep chuckling in conversation. That'd be a little strange, wouldn't it? Take that on spiritual steroids. James is saying, look, that this is like, if you're going to be a hearer, over here you're hearing, but you're not obeying. I, mean, I heard it, it was great, that was awesome, I can't... Amazing. I don't get the tape on that. I don't have tapes anymore. How about CD? I get a CD. I mean, you're just kind of like, well, I don't know what to do, but that's great. What are you going to do with it? Nothing. It's great, though, but we had nothing. It was awesome. Not transformed by it, but it was awesome. James is saying, look, it's like you're looking in that mirror and seeing the stain, seeing the pepper, and going, that's fine. I'm good. And he goes on and he says this. 24, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once, immediately, he forgets, he forgets, he forgets who he was. He forgets who he was like. I mean, who looks in the mirror? You look at it to get fixed. Got to fix the hair. Got to straighten the tie. Want to make sure I don't have wrinkles. Not in your face, and your clothes. And that's why you look at it, Right? And that's why you look at it. Do you see the parallel with the Word? We just don't just show up. We just don't open the Bible, check off a box. I've got to do my quiet time again. Got to do this. Check. Prayer time. Check. I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, pulled a prayer map off the wall, prayed over the whole world for three hours. Check. Now, we get into these ruts, and, and there's not a relationship going on. There's not a relationship. Man, it's just like, man, we're just kind of going through life, you know, doing church. And James is saying, don't be, don't be this person that just hears it and is never transformed by it. Because here's what you're going to be like. You're going to be like that guy who looks in the mirror and then walks away with stains all over and goes, hey, I'm cool. I'm great. It can't be like that. Make a note of this supporting text. Matthew 7, I love this. This, I think, gives us a beautiful backup to that thought in 23 and 24. Matthew 7, write it down, 24 through 27. And, you know, I was thinking through this that, you know, when you think about the revivals of, of days gone by, and you know my heart, my heart, my passion is revival, awakening, and reformation. Like, I live it, I breathe it, I hunger for it, I thirst for it. And now's the time. But like, now is the time. If there was ever a time for revival in America, it's now. And I think back to, to many of those great moves of the Lord, and you know what I notice when I think about them even right now? I think about this. That in those mighty moves of the Lord, here's what happened. People were so intently listening, not just only to the Word, 
but to the Holy Spirit speaking, that he was not quenched, he was not grieved. Here's what happens. They were so gripped. I mean, they began to pray, God, bend us. God, break us. God, we repent. Man, forgive us, God. Forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us for our indifference, God. Forgive us for the lukewarm attitude we've had. God, forgive us as we plead with you today. God, oh, you forgive us. Will you come down in your glory? And the accounts that I've read of these revival moves is just astounding of what the Holy Spirit does when we simply repent and obey and follow Him at all costs. Matthew 7 is so glorious. In 24, it says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, obeys, will be like, there we go again, will be like, here it is, a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house pummeling the house, like beating on it. Maybe that's you today. And maybe you feel like, God, I just can't take this anymore. Man, whatever's going on in your world, you feel like you're just being beaten. Here it is. But it did not fall. How? Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Now 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like, here we go, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. How's that working out? And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. So here's the deal. If you're living, if you're breathing today, it's going to be impossible for the winds of life to not beat your house. It's impossible. It's part of what we signed up for by being on planet Earth. And yet here's what happens. You see what happens so clearly. And it beat against the house and it fell. And what happened to its fall, do we know? It was great. See, church, we got these two camps here. Which camp are you in? Which camp am I in? You have someone who hears, someone who is wise, someone who obeys, And someone whose house stands tall. Their life stands tall. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be setbacks. But we got to remember this. The setbacks are always really a setup for a comeback. The setbacks in life are really, if we look at them through the lens of Scripture, they're really this. They're setups for a comeback. And when you think through that, we got the wise guy, not the wise guy you're thinking of, but the wise guy in the Word, he's heard it, he obeys it, he listens, he internalizes, he takes action. What happens? His life will stand tall. Why? How? Because he's founded on the rock of Jesus. But there's another camp. When it's those who hear it, And they say, you know what? This is really great. I'm really busy. I just got a lot going on in life. I'll be there when I can. Just don't really see any need to take a step further towards Jesus. And those people who hear it and disobey it are foolish. Foolish. 
and the ruin and the fall and the collapse of their life if they don't repent will be great. Which camp are you in? Which camp am I in? You're either in one camp or the other. You can't straddle the fence because Satan owns the fence. Which camp are you in? Really, here's the question. Am I or you a doer of the Word or just a hearer? I love as James weaves his way down to verse 25 because he says this in our last part of this text. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law. I know you're thinking, you're thinking, man, can we get some good news? Like, we need some good news. Okay, I'm going to give you some great news. Like, we've given you the, the tough news on the front end from the Word. Here's the good news of the Gospel. Right here it is, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, this looking is so key, so don't miss this. Don't, don't miss this. This is so key. When James, through the original language, is saying, looks into the perfect law, what's the perfect law? Not a trick question. It is the Word of God. When he says looks, here's what that Greek word means. It means this, to actually stoop down and look at with intensity. Not, not a passing fancy. Eh, that was great. Great devotion. Boy, uh, Oswald Chambers, he's amazing. That's fantastic. Praise Jesus. On and on we go. No, this is someone who goes, wow, like this is the Word of God. Like it's changing me. Like when I read it, it's coming off the page. When, when I read it, it, I see it for what it is. When I read it, it's, it's taking me, not just modifying my behavior, but, but I'm becoming, I, I'm becoming renewed by my mind. I'm becoming this new creation that He's called me to be. That we're stooping down and looking at with blinders on so all we see is the Word. Like all we see but he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, I love that, and perseveres, don't miss that part, that means to remain alive in, to continue with through thorough examination, there's perseverance, being no hearer who forgets, but a what? A doer who what? Acts. What's going to happen? From God's Word, not from me, not from Dear Abby, Dr. Phil, Oprah, what does the Word say right here? What's going to happen to that person according to the Word? What does it say right there in your Bible? Here's what it says in my Bible. He will be blessed in his doing. Not a trick question. It's okay to answer yes. By show of hands, who would like to be blessed besides me? Amen? Like, not a bad thing. Like, not a bad thing at all. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. We just sang it today. The psalmist cries out over and over about the blessings. And we know this, that when we bless Him first, well, that blessing gets returned, doesn't it? And by the way, let me just pause here. This blessing is not just, I mean, I want to be rich, you know, healthy, wealthy, wise. That's not what we're talking about here. That word blessed here in the original language means this, happy. Like, that alone would be like, awesome, amen? Like, just to be happy. Like, there's some days where, you get frustrated, right? You go home and you're in a rotten mood. That was horrible. That was a horrible day. I mean, you just get honest, right? That was just horrible. Just happy. Blessed is the man. Blessed. 
happy. Our happiness is, is in Christ, amen? I don't always live it. I struggle with it, to be quite blunt. But happy, right there it is, happy. That that's the result. And that will give you something, that new job, that spouse, that home, that car, that bank account, that IRA, all of it combined, that stuff will never bring you. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. That's why key number three, write it down, last key, here it is, key number three. When I seek the truth of Scripture and steadfastly obey it, so there's a seeking, a hearing, that's a good thing. Number two, steadfastly obey it, I will be blessed. Key number three, when I seek the truth of Scripture and steadfastly obey it, I will be blessed. Like right now, if you're wanting to be blessed, here's the question. Are you hearing the Word of God and are you obeying it? Now again, the blessing doesn't mean that you're free and insulated from pain. That's not what this is saying. But you can be blessed in the midst of your storm. You can be happy in the midst of your struggle. It's not insulation from, it's actually strength during is what that is. And we have it in the midst of the struggle. I love this thought here at the end there, but a doer who acts, one who takes action. Because you got to remember the Word of God is the mirror. Don't miss this. As we're on the backside of this, here we go. We're going down the mountain now. Don't forget the Word is the mirror. So what's on your lap right now is a mirror. So when I hold up the Word of God to me, I see a lot of stains, a lot of spaghetti stains, you know what I mean? A lot of pepper in the teeth, a bunch, a lot of flaws, not physical, but, but heart, internal. I see it because I'm looking intently. I'm stooping down. I'm looking at it going, there it is. I can't blame anybody else. It's me. It shows who I really am. Here's the great news. When you give your life to Christ, He doesn't leave you the way you were. Like when you really give your life to Christ, Christ doesn't like invade people's lives, take over their lives, and then leave them unchanged. That's not a true conversion. A true conversion from Scripture is someone who's not perfect, but remember, sanctification, ongoing change, towards Christ-likeness. Some days are two steps forward, two steps back. We all struggle, we all grapple. But here's the prayer church. Man, let's stumble forward together. Let's stumble forward in unity. Man, let's make this difference. This is our time. In the darkest hour, the light doesn't shine the brightest where it's the brightest. It shines the brightest where it's the darkest. So in our darkest hour, all across Chester, this should be, must be our finest hour. I love the thought of John 13, 17. Write this down. John 13, 17. And you got to remember in John 13, there was Jesus and He's washing feet. Remember that? Washing those stinky, gnarly feet. They weren't wearing Nikes, uh, walking around on concrete or asphalt. Man, these were sandals, bare feet, dirty, stinky roads. And the King... Like the king, the king goes, hey, I'm going to model for you what you need to be doing. And I'm going to get down and wash their feet and serve and love. And here's what he says in John 13, 17. If you know these things, 
Blessed are you if you do them. Let me read that again. If you know these things, well, I heard it. I heard it. It's great. Amazing. Just love it. Blessed are you. Really love that part of the verse. Amen. We love Jesus when we're blessed. Amen. If you do them. Don't just be a hearer. Be an obeyer. Because if you're just hearing, you're actually deceiving you. So here's the thought. And I want to close with this, these thoughts. So don't pack up. Just listen. If you want to know with pinpoint accuracy where we are in our culture today, here we are. Jeremiah 2, 13. Jeremiah 2, 13. Now listen closely to the Word of God. Just, just listen as I quote this. I want you to listen. So just listen. Like tune in, dial in to what I'm going to say next, okay? I want you to listen and internalize it and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as I ask Him to speak to me. Jeremiah 2, 13. My people, God says... My people, he says. Do you notice he said my people? He didn't say the world. He didn't say those that were not in him. He said my people. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And because they did that, they've hewn for themselves cisterns that hold no water. Now, this is what delusion does, right? So work with me on this. When we're not under truth and we step out from under truth, who's getting deceived? Me. So now, here's what happens. My view of reality is no longer reality because now I'm detached from reality. So when you turn on your television, you're watching reality TV played out. That's actually not reality because they're detached from reality. And here's what happens in the mind because the mind is the data center. It's the control center. It's the circus between our ears. It's where we make all the decisions. What we think on is what we become. The more we think about a problem, the bigger the problem becomes. And so what happens is this. My people, God's people, have committed two evils. God's people committing evil, not a good thing. And what happens is they forsook him. We, we forsake him as God's people. Present day, we forsake him. And here's what we do. We go, you know what? Instead of repenting and turning back to him, we're living in delusion, don't even realize it. Let's hew for ourselves. Let's craft for ourselves cisterns that actually hold no water. What's a great idea, isn't it? And that's where the insanity just begins to go off the rails. And that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing one insane situation. It's dominoes, isn't it? It's just dominoes. Just boop, boop, boop. One falls after another. Here's the answer. Let's repent. Let's just repent. Like, let's be the ones that say, man, you know what, man? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Like, I'm saying I'm guilty. Like, as a pastor, I'm saying I'm guilty. I got to repent from this. I repent from this casual attitude, this, hey, yeah, take Jesus or leave him, and it's not really that important, and we'll get around to him when we want. And No, we got to get back to Jesus. 
And then the word says this from Jeremiah 2.13 to Isaiah 64.1. It says this, and I love this so, so clearly from God's word. Just love this. It says, oh God, oh God, that you would rend the heavens. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. I mean, right now, is there anyone besides me just saying, God, man, I wish you'd rend the heavens. Man, I wish you would just rip open the heavens, God. Man, enough's enough, man. Enough is enough. God, why don't you just rend the heavens and come down? And then it dawned on me. Because we're living in Jeremiah 2.13. And we're crying out for Isaiah 64.1. And I wonder if God's waiting on the church to start living Joel 2.13. See, Joel 2.13 says this. Rend. Just rip. Just tear. Tear your hearts. Just rip it wide open. Not your garments, not outward, not just show, not phony baloney. No, no, tear, tear your heart. Just, just rip it wide open and say, God, I want to return to you. I want to repent and, and I'm going to go towards you all the days of my life. We're living in Jeremiah 2.13. We're crying out for Isaiah 64.1. And I believe God's waiting on us to... Take action on Joel 2.13. Question for you today, truthfully. I mean, like with utter truth. Can you say today that, that you have truly bowed your knee to King Jesus? No, I mean, like seriously. Not some external thing where nothing changed. It's happening all over the place. Evangelist friend of mine years ago gave me an illustration. Preaching at a student ministry youth deal. Hundreds flooded the altar. Hundreds. I mean, they're flooding the altars. Ah, everyone's in a frenzy. Ah, it's amazing. And, and by the Holy Spirit's power, he said, I just felt convicted in front of all of those hundreds of students to ask him one question. And he looked at all those hundreds of students that were lined up in the front, and he looked at them and said this, how many of you really mean what you're doing? He said about half of them got up and sat down. Have you truly bowed your knee to King Jesus? See, when you go into the presence of a king, you don't saunter in. Man, you don't go in there with a bowed chest. <laughs> Bet you're glad I'm here, Jesus. No, you go in there saying, worthy is the Lamb. It's all about you and your glory and your praise. And I want to bow to you, and I, I just don't listen to what you say. But you're the king, and I'm not. And from this day forward, I'll do whatever you command me to do. But from this day forward, I'm going to be a doer. Have you bowed the knee to King Jesus today? Can you imagine what would happen all over our country right now if in churches right now, as we're gathering right now, if churches all over America, can you imagine if people begin just to bow the knee? I mean, really bow the knee. Like, really get honest and open and say, man, man, no more of this charade. Man, Jesus, man, you're it. Like, I'm all in. 
Like whatever it takes. Can you imagine the revival and the awakening and the reformation that could happen right now on this date, this period of time in churches all across America if we just begin to live Joel 2.13? Oh, let's no longer try to rend our garments. Let's right now, church, let's rend our hearts. God, what do you want to do with my life? How do you want to use me? How can we impact our community all for your glory from this day forward until the day we die? God, what do you want to do? Can you imagine what he will do? As the old phrase goes, he typically is not looking for people with ability. He's looking for people with availability. Are you available today? I pray that you are. Father, we come before you in this hour of desperation. God, this hour where we just need you like nothing else. And so, God, I just pray as we just cry out to you, God, will you bring the revival now? God, will you send it? God, I pray that that there'll be people in this room that will be willing to start the revival today. That they'll be like Isaiah. When they see the Lord high and lifted up, it won't be, oh, that's cool. That's great. And I pray when... When we see the Lord high and lifted up, we'll just simply proclaim, woe is, woe is me, for I'm undone. When we see you doing your work, we'll be like Peter, the great catch of fish. and He's so humbled and just apart from me, God. God, you're looking for people that are humble and that desire you and nothing else. So God, in this time of reflection, of meditation, of invitation. God, I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, will you grip our hearts? Will you grab a hold of us right now? Will you shake us? Do whatever you got to do right now, God. Time is fleeting. You are coming back at some point. There has to be a sense of urgency. God, will you do it in this room and do it today? God, to you be the praise. God, to you be the glory. Let me pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.